Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Bonnie Lee Degas was an 18-year-old from Lithia, Florida. She loved horses and had a four-and-a-half-month-old son, Jeremy. On April 28, 1993, she and her son came home from getting her van cleaned. Bonnie then told her roommate she and Jeremy were going out. They were never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. probably heard the saying. It got into our lexicon from one of my top ten films of all time, All the President's Men. The story of how Woodward and Bernstein worked through a maze of lies and campaign finance paperwork to bring down President Nixon. The ironic part? In real life, Deep Throat, the confidential informant, never used that line. A screenwriter came up with it, as a way to explain to moviegoers what Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman would be doing in the film. Hey, Hollywood never allows the facts to get in the way of a good story. The funny thing about money, though, is that it doesn't seem to be a popular motivator for people to go missing. And rarely following the money will get us where we need to go in solving a disappearance. We know the main reasons for these cases. Relationships, drugs, jealousy, to cover up some other type of crime. Money, not so much, although there are exceptions. The recently solved Mike Williams case, for example. Yet today, we possibly have one of these unique cases, although you're going to hear about other, more standard possibilities. But it doesn't involve a lawyer or doctor or pro athlete or someone who just hit Powerball. You know, someone who usually has money to spare. Instead, we have Bonnie Degas, who just turned 18. Her son was not even five months old. She was a nanny. Yet, you're going to hear about money. A lot of it. Can we be the Woodwards and Bernsteins for Bonnie's family and work through the maze to solve this disappearance? And now, summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Goodsight, charlieproject.org. Bonnie Degas was an outgoing, popular girl who was the oldest of five. She grew up in strawberry country east of Tampa, the kind of area where it wasn't unusual to see kids walking along the back roads at night. 
but Bonnie's life got complicated in 1992. She got pregnant and decided to keep the baby and be the best mother she could. Once her son Jeremy was born, she got a job as a live-in nanny just down the street from her parents' house. She completed her GED, and Bonnie seemed to have gotten a handle on things. The future wouldn't be easy, but everything seemed to be under control. Furthermore, in March 1993, she received an inheritance of $50,000 upon turning 18, but she didn't splurge. She bought a $2,500 minivan and put the rest in the bank. So, on April 28, 1993, she was out and about with her son. They even had time to stop at her parents where Bonnie's younger siblings helped her clean her van. From there, she returned to where she was working and living. Later that evening, Bonnie left with her son. She said she was going to meet a friend. They didn't return. Her van was found two days later in Brandon, Florida. Neither Bonnie nor Jeremy were ever seen again. Several facts, both known and unknown at the time, have complicated the investigation. They include, number one, the somewhat secret relationship Bonnie was having with a much older man. Number two, a large cash withdrawal made on the very day Bonnie disappeared. And number three, people Bonnie trusted who tried to scam her out of her money not long after she received the inheritance. The Degas family believes Bonnie met with foul play, although there is no evidence that Bonnie or Jeremy are deceased. The guest for this episode is Bonnie's mother, Linda Hirschberger. Unfound News. This past Wednesday, I conducted the last Unfound Live that will be shown on Facebook. From now on, the shows will be coming from the Unfound YouTube page. If you haven't tuned in, I hope you will next Wednesday when Unfound has the big premiere in the new location. Next, I've gotten considerably behind on shirts for guests and books covering the cases from Unfound's first season. Given the last month, I haven't had much time to do anything but the episodes. I expect that to change once 2019 gets here and I go back to Florida. I apologize for the delays. Finally, if any of you out there are in your university's alumni association, or you have connections to professors in charge of the criminal justice curriculum, please contact me privately. I'd like to speak about missing persons cases at your school in 2019. Thanks. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. This week, I need to thank Diane. You can also contribute at PayPal, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. That is also this podcast's email address. The website, unfoundpodcast.com. Merchandise, the books at Amazon.com in both ebook and print form. Don't forget the reviews. Shirts at myshopify.com forward slash unfound dash podcast. And cards at makeplaincards.com forward slash sell forward slash unfound podcast. And please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, 
Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the mother of Bonnie Degas, Linda Hirschberger. Linda, welcome to Unfound. Thank you very much. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to um, share Bonnie's case with uh, anybody that wants to listen. You're very welcome, Linda. And I uh, especially get uh, interested in cases that are around the Tampa area, and this one is. Uh, being that I live there, and I think this will be the fourth or fifth that I've covered from the Tampa area, so I'm very happy to have you on the program. Let's start here. Tell the listeners a little bit about your daughter, Bonnie. Um, First of all, how many children do you have? Uh, We had uh, five children. Bonnie was the oldest. Um, Her her daughter, her sister, Jennifer, uh, was... Uh, the next in line, and at the time of Bonnie's disappearance, she was 15, and then she had a brother, Joe, who was 13, and Nancy was 11, and Todd was 9. Wow. Okay. That seems like a bustling household, Linda. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Uh Um, And and keep in mind, we lived in a three-bedroom house with one bathroom, and so it was, you know, and we lived there our whole lives you know, from before we had children to at many years after this happened. So that's where they grew up. It was out in the country. We had um, almost two acres. We had horses and animals and things. But um, but it definitely was a, a crowded household. Yeah. And this was in the Plant City area of Florida, which is kind of, which is east of Tampa. What is What was the actual address at the time where you lived? Uh, it's Lithy. It's what you mean the actual address? Or yeah, if it were somebody were to write you a letter back in 1993 um, when oh. she disappeared, what would have okay. been the Lithia? Is that the right? Huh? It's Lithia. Lithia. Okay. On Boyette Road, right? Okay. And the the address was 18945. Okay. Um. Okay, so I'm guessing that Bonnie and some of her sisters probably had to share a room, being it was oh, yeah. a three bedroom house, so it was. <laughs> little cramped in there but how did all of your children get along especially bonnie how did she get along with the rest of your her Uh, siblings they got along pretty good i think there were some uh uh, let's say headbutting every now and then Mm -hmm. between them and things and and all but uh they did a lot of of running outside i said we had horses they we kept them out riding horses a lot and uh, my husband was a blacksmith and um, her dad was a blacksmith, and he, he um, especially when they were younger, took them with him a lot and things. But um, kids still, you know, get into little arguments with each other nonetheless. It happens. But I think overall they loved each other. Okay. Now you mentioned horses, and horses are going to play a little bit of a part later in this conversation. But... Uh, horses were one of Bonnie's interests. She loved to take care of them, ride them. Right. She was good. She um, she was riding from the time she could walk, almost literally. And um, she, we spent a lot of time with the horses, and she she had a, a lot of a lot of memories with the horses. A lot of times out there. Mm-hmm. She she liked quite a few other things too, though, and um, she was really good at writing poetry and writing in general. She used to go out with some of her friends. They'd go four wheeling and 
and, um, you know, just spend, spend time being crazy kids. Mm-hmm. And um, she also played the tuba in the, the marching band at her uh-huh. school, at her high school. And yeah. um, she was in gifted classes in school, although she wasn't really happy with being in school. She wasn't, uh, Bonnie wasn't a big fan of school. No, no. Okay. Uh, I think she it smoothed out a little bit as she got older in her last couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. And going back and reading her journals and things, she actually sounded like she was making plans for the future, you know, talking about going to college, talking about being a doctor, and, um, you know, mm-hmm. looking into the future quite a bit, which okay. would have, you know, required her to go to school more. Right. Now, we have to remember for the listeners that she was only 18 when she disappeared. So she didn't, I guess, get to the point where she was um, having any higher education. But did she graduate from high school or did she go missing before she uh, left high school? Well, she actually, um, she was pregnant. And mm-hmm. so um, what they did was her baby was due in the middle of, Jan- uh, middle of uh, December so they, uh, starting in, um, I think it was the 1st of December, she took a GED, GED class and literally graduated just before the baby was born with a GED. Huh. Okay. So she didn't, there was no need for her to finish out her senior year then? No, no, she was okay, done. great, By the great. time he was born uh, December the 13th, and she had already, you know, completed and, uh, you know, had her GED certificate. Okay, okay. Um, you mentioned her son. Uh, this is once again part of this uh, disappearance, at least a little bit of part of it that we'll talk about later. But her son's name is Jeremy, and we have to remember he is also missing in, in addition to uh, your daughter. Um, who is the father? You're still not sure who the father is. And once again, we're going to talk about this in a lot more detail later. But at the time... 1992 into 93, there was a big question mark as to who the father could be. Is that right? Yes. Um, She believed that it was, um, you know, a a boy that was just a couple of years older older than her that lived down the street. Mm -hmm. She was going out to see him. And um, I believe that she had every um, thought that that was who the father was. And it's, I think, kind of one of those things they did not believe he was physically capable of fathering a child so they were his he and his family were very adamant that it wasn't him mm-hmm. but uh, about two years ago he or two years after that he had a child with another girl so who knows i mean it's not like there were any dna tests done but according to her that was the father according That's- to bonnie that is who she believed but once again there was no genetic tests or anything done like that and of course being that the Bonnie and Jeremy disappeared like four, five months later. Um, that couldn't be done. Correct. Four and a half months. Four and a half months later. Yeah. Could not be done. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's still a question. We'll come back to that later as we talk more and more about what was going on with Bonnie at the time of her disappearance. Now she did get a job, um, working for, Mm -hmm. uh, working and then living at, at the family, not too far from where, uh, you lived. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about this family? Their last name is the Creeches, C-R-E-E-C-H. And what was she doing there? Um, just anything you can tell the listeners about that. 
Okay. Um, this was a young couple. When I say young, I mean like uh, late twenties and they had a, a child, a young child. I think he was uh, like right at or just less than a year old. And the mother had broken her arm and they were not, she wasn't being physically able to do everything she needed to do. So um, we, we didn't know them before this, but we knew uh, the, the man's mother. And uh, we also knew the lady that the man was working for lived not far from us. Mm-hmm. So between them, um, he knew Bonnie had, uh, you know, was kind of at loose ends and um, that uh, anyway. So he asked if she could come stay with them to be the extra hand. They had a small room. I believe it was actually like a converted large closet, but it was big enough for a bed for her and a, and a bed for Jeremy. And she was, you know, pretty eager to get out of the house. You know, this was, she wasn't for us. She was not even five minutes away. She was like behind our property. It's out in the country. You know, you had to go down the long driveway, but it was just behind where we lived. Mm -hmm. And so she was close, you know, but a little bit more, you know, out of the family then. So she was happy with it and we thought it would be a good thing. And right, and like you but, said, again, you and like you was, said, there was only three bedrooms in your house, and now she has a son, which right. even makes your house even more crowded. So it kind of works right. out and for now, everybody. But also keep in mind, she is eighteen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's you know her choice to do what she wanted to do, sure. or whatever. Absolutely, um, we didn't see anything wrong with it. But you know, she is eighteen, and she's she is legal, which is just something I want to remember when we're talking later on about some things that she mm-hmm. had choices. Sure. Okay, and I'm sorry, what did you ask me just then? I was just saying that, you know, that you said that she was uh, ready to maybe get out of the house too, and it could be because she had a son, and, you know, it was already right. crowded in your house, and, Absolutely. you know, as a mother, you know, she had had a lot of things to do regarding her baby. Of course, maybe you or maybe some of her siblings would help out, but still in the end, this sounds like mm-hmm. a situation where she could go make some money, but her son could be with her at the same time. Seems like a good situation. Sure. Okay. That's, All right. And how long how did... we looked at it at the time. Okay. And how long did she work at this job before she disappeared? When did she start that job? Okay. I have to tell the honest truth. We can't remember exactly. Hmm. It was, uh, we think, at the most two months, but we think it was only a month that she had been there. Uh, Jeremy, you know, was born in December. Mm-hmm. Um, she went missing in April. And um, I don't think he was teeny tiny when she went there. I think he was already, you know, a, at least a couple of months old. Okay. And um, I am pretty sure because of discussing it with her father and stuff. She wasn't there, but only about a month is what we believe. Oh. Okay. Uh, while she was there, do you ever remember her? complaining about anything uh, how do you in your impression once again i know it's been 25 years now right. but looking no. back at it now um how do you think things were going for that Very month well. or month I, and a half when when we talked to her which was often you know she sounded happy um, she and Anna seemed to be getting along very well, and they were kind of handling the children together and the, the taking care of the house and different things they were being friends and um, she seemed to be enjoying it. All right. Great. Good. Now, there's something else that is going to play 
um, I think a significant partner disappearance, at least that's what it seems. The listeners will make the decision for themselves, is that Bonnie had received a large sum of money. Uh, why was that? When did that happen? Um, you need to explain that, I think. And how much was it? Uh, if you could explain that to the listeners, I'd appreciate it. Okay. Um, she received an inheritance from my grandparents, her great-grandparents. And it had been in the money, um, in the money. It had been in the bank um, for many years, and it was um, the money was in CDs, but it was in, in the probate court kind of thing and held until she turned 18. So her birthday was March the 12th night, and uh, so on March 12th, 1993, she inherited this money, and. Um, she received, it was uh, right about $50,000 wow. and um, um, as far as we know, the only thing that she had done with it is, is pretty much right after she got it in March, she took out uh, $2,000, close to $3,000 and she bought a van. So she had transportation. And uh, she bought it used from a, a friend of mine at uh, where I worked at McDonald's. And uh, she had only had that done for um, little over, just a little over a month when okay. she disappeared. And um, that's, I think, pretty much all for this part. There's more to that we'll okay. go into. Uh, I do have to ask, being that she had several siblings, did not did none of her siblings uh, get any money? Was no, it was only left to her. It was split between her and my mother, which uh, okay. was my my grandmother's only daughter. And mm -hmm. then um, then Bonnie was the at the time my grandmother passed away. Bonnie was the only grandchild, or the only uh, uh, grandchild from from her mother. Okay. So um, okay. Now, weirdly enough, she wasn't actually the only grandchild, but she was the oldest. The only one my grandmother had actually held in her arms is what I think it was. Uh, my brother had some children, but that's different. Okay. okay. I'm just saying it's a, maybe uh, – I'm just wondering when only one grandchild or great-grandchild uh, receives money, that might cause some problems with other great-grandchildren. and other? Yeah, with others. Is that – you think that – you? how oh. do you remember that? Did any of – Bonnie's One, younger siblings that have any problems with that? I don't think so. Not that I've ever heard them mention. And besides the 50000 that was also and is also a piece of property in Missouri, um, hmm. just uh, just under three acres or right at three acres up in, in Missouri. And um, that was one of the things she had talked about, that when she got the money, that she wanted to take a trip to Missouri and go see that property, but she never got to. So uh, my impression, though, is $50,000, any 18-year-old gets that. It doesn't matter if it's 2018 or 1993. That's a lot of money. Right. I mean, I think there are yeah. a lot of adults, 40-, 50-year-old adults who would like to get $50,000. Uh, you're leaving me the impression, though, that she handled the money uh, maturely. It's not like she ended up blowing it or anything. She went and got a van because she needed some, a car, and that was about it. Um. Now, keeping in mind, she disappeared 
to only a, approximately mm. a month, a month and a half sure. after she received the money. Sure. But that is true. You know, she didn't go, the money was in a savings and loan and to use the money, she had to take it out of those CDs, cash it out, and then she um, would put it into another bank, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a regular banking, a checking account type bank. And um, she didn't run over there and take all the money out and put it all in the other bank. She only took out what she needed. And um, at the time, we only knew about the um, the, the twenty five hundred, what you know, whatever right. it was right. for the van. Although we found out more later. Of course, but, and we're and we're absolutely going to talk about that. But at least yeah, at the time, I, I mean, my impression of eighteen year olds, they get fifty thousand dollars. It maybe they, they could point. blow it in a month and a half. So that that right. she still had a, a large majority of it at the time she disappeared. I oh, think is a credit to her. Credit to her. Right. Uh, I think so too. Okay. And um, I never heard her talk about, well, I'm going to go buy a new car now, or I'm going to, you know, do all the obvious, like mm-hmm. I said, have a party or any of those things. It was to be used, you know, and mm-hmm. majorly, you know, think about it and be careful how she used it. Right. So being that you say uh, she got this when she turned 18 and then she got this job. Right. So is it my impression then that she got this job as a nanny and got this money around the same time? Very close to each Correct. other. Very close. Correct. Okay. And I think that's also interesting that she got this money, but still said, you know what, I'm going to keep this job too. It wasn't like she said, oh, I'm going to blow off the job and just live off this money. She was going to work too. So um, that's very that's admirable right. of, her as, uh, of her as well. Okay. So let's get to those days and weeks uh, before she disappeared. I guess let's just, just talk maybe, let's just maybe think in terms of April of 1993. In retrospect, mm-hmm. I know what everything, and we're going to talk about everything that uh, you uh, and your husband and others discovered afterwards. But that April of 1993, mm-hmm. anything that you look back now and say something that was unusual, you know, any of her movements, anything she said, anything. I know that she just, of course, got in the money. She has this new job. So mm-hmm. maybe she's in, you know, she's not, you know, you're maybe you're not seeing her as much being that she's over there. Anything unusual that pops up now? No, um, just the opposite. Um, things were going very well. She was happy um, over there. Uh, she was coming back to see us. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times when she was younger when she and her father didn't get along very well, but she was actually coming over to ask his advice. Um, there was, as soon as she inherited that money, there was some, um, some people we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, it was actually the sister of the people that she was the man where she was living uh she and her boyfriend came and asked right away to borrow money to buy something and uh bonnie came to her dad asked him what he thought about it he told her that he didn't uh, he researched it and found out the truck they were talking about buying was actually uh um it was like a title but no truck i can't think what you call it when uh something's been um scrapped okay and uh he told her, no, don't do that. She told them no. And, and um, you know, they seemed happy. They seemed to be working, you know. Mm-hmm. She was willing to take his advice and ask his advice. So things were looking pretty good. And she was coming to see us every couple of days. She would stop by where I worked. Uh, she'd come through the drive through and say hi, you know, and, and show the baby. She also worked there, you know, when she was younger. She had worked at that same McDonald's. And so she would bring the baby by to to see the people who work there. Okay. 
Um, I, and I, we were going to talk about that, but we can talk about it right now. This whole truck uh, thing with uh, some people who knew the creatures or were related to the creatures, the people she was being a mm-hmm. nanny for. Uh, am I supposed to interpret that as maybe somebody was trying to rip her off? Sounds like it to me. You know, um, okay. they were asking her for money, but then uh, they told her, you know, I guess it would be kind of like a business deal. I don't remember the details. Just okay. they were asking to borrow money to buy a truck. They they gave her apparently the title to the truck as proof that there was really such a truck. But mm-hmm. my husband looked it up and and found out that there really wasn't such a truck. Okay. And um and and then it went down from there. I yeah. keep that in mind. You know, of course. The things that happened later. Of course. Because and I, I see that as you know. Right, I think, and I think you know, that makes total sense to keep that in I mind. I have to say something. Please. Um, you you know, in, in our conversations, you asked me one time about, like, basically who was the suspect or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I have to say that everybody, not anybody, everybody is a suspect um, because we we just don't know what happened. And right. every it, it colors your life when everybody you look at, you look at them as could this person be a murderer or not, you know? And, um, it's, it's, it's really a hard thing to live with, but you don't see a way not to. And you, you look at everything in your life. What could have happened Did this person, you know, it could just been some silly kid doing silly kid stuff Mm -hmm. that you look at them and you think, is this person a murderer? Right. I I totally understand that, and you are not the first guest on this program that has said about that exact same thing, especially uh, in cases where uh, there are multiple choices, and there were multiple Mm -hmm. things going on, and even on cases where, you know, there are no suspects, you know, um, you know, people who have vanished into thin air, where, you know, they didn't have some of the things going on that it seems Bonnie did. So I I, to, mm-hmm. I totally understand. Um, you're totally right. I just want to remind the listeners, though, that she hadn't even had this money for a month, and already it seems somebody was trying to rip her off. It seems. Yeah. It seems. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's. It seems. Okay. Um, the day before. Do you remember that day? The day before that she disappeared. Um, just in general, anything that that jumps yeah. out to you. You, when you say day before she disappeared, you mean the last day that we saw her or the day before that? I would say I the sure. day before she went and got the money out of the bank, just the day before that. Okay. It would yeah, be April 27th, I guess. Right. We right. don't know anything. Okay. Um, as far as I know, she was there at the creatures all day, you know, just babysitting and being there. Doing what she was doing. Right. Yeah, okay. Nothing unusual that day. Okay. Great. So let's move to, please, please. Okay. Um, As far as we knew at that time, there were other Mm. things that were going on a few days before that, but all we knew, and, you know, we don't know really even now anything about anything that happened the day before. Right. Yeah. Well, we're trying to, we'll just try to do this in the way you remember it, and then we'll go back and tell, talk about everything you found out afterwards, because I want to make sure the listeners understand. just what you as her mother thought was going on at the time. Okay. And then we're, we're surely going to cover all that. So that takes us to April 28th, 1993, the day that is documented 
as the day that, that Bonnie disappeared. That's what's on the record, I guess you'd say. So April 28th, this is the day that's documented in a variety of places as the day that Bonnie disappeared. What do you personally remember about the day, what you what you were doing, and did you see Bonnie that day? Okay. Um, I was at work. I worked at McDonald's, and um, I got home about uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and Bonnie was at the house. She had uh, brought, she had borrowed two of the younger siblings earlier in the day, and they helped her wash her van, and then she brought them back to our house, and um, while they were all at the house, we took her, my husband and I took her van with uh, Jeremy, and we drove down to uh, a ball field, you know, a few few miles from there where her sister, her oldest sister, was working, and we picked her up, and then we brought them back to the house, after which Bonnie took her van and Jeremy and drove back to the Creeches. And um, that was um, the last time that we saw her that day, the last, you know, we knew mm-hmm. of her movements. Okay. Would you say that was a pretty standard day? Nothing unusual about that. Yeah. Sounds like a regular nope, nope. family day, spending time together. Yeah. Okay. Yep. She she seemed to be having fun. She was okay with letting us borrow Jeremy. And um, before car seats were like mandatory like they are now, and uh, she had the car seat in her van, so we just took her van. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's why we did that. But um, we took him down there and showed him off at the ball field to people and all, and then we mm-hmm. came home. Like any good out. grandparent, right? Yeah. Well, like any good grandparent shows off uh, their grandkids. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, when you were at work, when you were at work, uh, was your husband Larry at home? Bonnie's father was he at home during that time? Yes, he was. Okay. Yeah, he was home that day. Okay. Um. And uh, once again, Bonnie, you saw Bonnie. Seemed like a regular self, and that was about it. Just a regular day. She took off then later, and she went back to the creatures mm-hmm. as far as you know. Correct. Okay. Okay, now we're going to go to the next day. Once again, for listeners, we're doing this from Linda's point of view, and we're, there's going to be a lot of things behind the scenes that, that Linda and Larry, Bonnie's father, found out later. But the next day, April 29th, when was the first time you thought something might not be right? Something different um, happened? I. I was at work again, and um, I got a call from her father, Larry, and asking if I had seen Bonnie or not And that day, and I said no. And he said it was just um, a low-key kind of conversation, just that she happened to come by. And he didn't sound excited or worried or anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did do you think it rose to the level that maybe he called over to the creatures to see if she was over there, or I think you told me that 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 Anna Creech actually ended up coming over to your house instead. What did that happen later right. that day? Tell the listeners about no, that earlier. Earlier, okay. Yeah, that please. Was, yeah, like mid morning, uh, Anna Creech and her sister-in-law Terry McKenzie came to his house to to the Vegas house and asked if he had by any chance seen Bonnie, if she had uh, stopped by there that day. And mm. he said no. And they did not say it in such a way that was like they were worried. It was casual. It was, oh, gee, just have you seen her that day? Mm-hmm. Um, then a couple of hours later, they came back. And I can't tell you how many hours, but hours later, they came back. 
and they told him that they had not told him the whole truth, that she had actually not come home the night before, and um, and they hadn't heard from her, they didn't know what was going on, and they were worried. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was right about the time then that I came home from work, and we discussed it, and um, at that point, we actually called the sheriff's department to report sure. her missing. Sure. At that point, if you can remember, and I know this is very difficult, do you remember what was going through your head at the time? Did you have any inkling of what might have happened right then? I know you don't have a lot of information at that time, but mm-hmm. do you think it maybe it was just a misunderstanding? Maybe she went somewhere, or what were you thinking? No, they had told us enough. And they had showed us enough that they were worried mm-hmm. that we were really scared. And that's why okay. we called the police department because things were not definitely not normal, not yeah. not in any way where they said, oh, well, she's done this before, anything like that. They thought it was unusual. You know, they were worried about her and um, mm. nothing seemed right. So we called the police department. Okay. Um, and did the police come out? Being, they didn't. Well, they did. But it was um, the first conversation I had with them. It was hard to get them to agree to send somebody out because she was 18. And uh, it had only been a matter of, uh, at that time, a little less than 24 hours that she had been missing. And um, they eventually did, I guess we told them enough of the circumstances that they felt there might be an endangerment. So they did send a uh, a deputy. He came to our house. Um, it happened that we had met him before, and he knew who Bonnie was. But he took our information. He took it as if he was writing a report and um, asked us all the pertinent in, qu- in questions. And um, then he went down and he talked to the creatures. And um, after that, uh, the only information he asked for me that night that I didn't have was her tag number. So after talking to the two groups, us and then to the creatures, he left. And he told us later, he made the statement that when he left, he went by um, the Cash and Carry parking lot, which is is something we didn't know. Mm-hmm. But the uh, creatures had told him that when she left the night before, that's where she was headed. And uh, we'll talk about why later. But he stated that he went by that parking lot and her van was not there at that time. I don't know if that's correct. I don't know if he just drove by and glanced that way and maybe missed it. Who knows? But he made that statement. Okay, let me ask you this. When Anna Creech and her sister-in-law, whose name happens to be Terry, Mm -hmm. and that's going to get a little confusing later because another Terry is going to be coming into play. Yes. Um, when they came over, whether the first time or the second time, did either of them ever say to you or, uh, Larry, uh, Bonnie's father, that she had gone out the night before with, with her son, Jeremy to the cash and carry, did that ever come up at that point? No. Did it? No, we didn't know that at that time. If it did, we would have gone and looked ourselves. Right. But they were, there was stuff. Well, anyway, you don't know. Okay, Maybe all I'm saying is time. it seems like later uh, Anna Creech and whoever else were able to tell the cops that she went out. Correct. To, but they didn't tell you that 
when they were looking no. for. Okay. That's interesting. Correct. That's interesting. Okay. All right. So you had the um, Anna Creech come over, look for Bonnie that next day. You don't know where she is. Then all of you get very worried for very logical reasons. The cops get involved. They take a report. You don't really know how serious they're taking it. Um, did you do anything at that point? Did you get in your car, ride around? Did you and Larry go out to look for her? No, uh, not then, because I guess half of you, you're thinking they're going to come back. I mean, we didn't know at that time so much of what we know now. And mm-hmm. um, and it's a big area. I mean, we didn't we didn't have a we didn't have at that time a clue. Right. Um, we didn't know all the things we were to find out later that were going on. At that point, we just knew nothing. Um, the next day, I called the police department again. Uh, we're thinking that they filed a missing persons report on her already. And uh, when I called them to give them that tag information, they said there was no such report. Nothing had been uh, recorded, reported, whatever they call it. And um, so we had to start all over again. And again, I had to convince them there was an issue. You know, now it's been almost 48 hours that she's missing. Well, maybe 36, but, you know, a day Mm -hmm. and a half. Sure. Uh, We've always already lost, they say, the most important time that there is. And um, they did send out two detectives. And when those two detectives came out, they pretty much came out with the impression of a runaway. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. that nothing bad had happened, that she had probably run away. They talked to us. They went back and talked to the creatures. The creatures told her that Bonnie had been seeing that the reason Bonnie went to the Cash and Harry parking lot that night was to meet her, um, and I guess for a better lack of a better word, I'll call him her boyfriend, mm-hmm. and um, that she had been seeing this person ever since that she'd been to her house, and that actually she had been seeing him before that. Uh, he is a neighbor and an older person. Uh, he's actually. Right. Well, let's just, uh, Linda, let's just talk, let's just talk about him right now. So very early on, uh, after she disappeared, so she disappears on the on April 28th. But once again, she and her son, Jeremy, who was very, very young, uh, disappear, mm-hmm. which in my mind should have made this a little more serious than the cops took it. I, I understand that 17, 18 year olds run away, but when you have a, a, a four and a half month year old child involved, right. Come on now. I, I have to say that I think that the, that is the only reason that they actually did consider the case at all. Mm-hmm. Um, that without that, they, they wouldn't have done anything for I don't know how many days it is that they wait or whatever. But right. the only reason that they went ahead and sent somebody else to check it, check it out was because the baby was involved. Okay. Okay. I think that's an excellent. I think that's excellent insight on your part. Because I, I have yeah. to say I'm thinking kind of the same thing, which is sad, which is sad. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's just get right to this then. You had mentioned this boyfriend that you didn't know about. Uh, his name is Terry Christie. He goes by the name Snake, and I'm going to call him Snake. That is his nickname. That's not like a pejorative or anything else. That it is nickname, and I'm right. just going to try to separate his name from the Terry that you've already mentioned, who is a woman. Whereas this is a guy. 
Okay, when did you first hear about Terry Snake Christie? Um, well, I, I mean in relationship. In that, in relationship to having some sort of involvement with your daughter Bonnie in an intimate kind of way. Okay. Um, the second time the creatures came down, they um, they mentioned him that Bonnie had been seeing him. And I don't think they went into any kind of detail. They, they were coming in, they were talking to my husband, um, but they did bring his name up and uh, possibly just saying that, uh, I don't know what they said to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. I know they brought his name up, okay. but again, not in detail, not to where we knew very much about it okay. uh, until later when the police actually went down there and um, the second day when the police went down there and talked to her. Uh, okay. They told the police a lot more than they told us. And then the police told us some of that, but it, it took a while for us to find out all the details. And truthfully, I have to admit at this point, it's hard to distinguish between what we knew at this moment mm-hmm. and what we knew at that moment. It all just runs together. I understand. My mind is just, to what we knew. So I might be incorrect as to which conversation something, but I know it wasn't early on. We didn't know about him really until either later mm-hmm. um, of that first day or on the second day. Okay. And, and, knew more than we did. and most importantly, you had no idea, neither you nor Larry, and I'm going to guess any of your other kids had any idea that Bonnie, who was just 18 at the time, was having a relationship with Snake, who was like 40 years old. You had no idea about that, surely? No. Okay. And that's what you, that was the big part that you found out. I'm guessing you maybe heard of Terry Christie before, just in passing for other reasons, because he lived in the area? Oh, more than that. He okay. was, um, his his brother and his brother's family had lived right next door to us for, um, I think, about a year. His children... Um, the brothers' children were the same age as our children. Um, their last name started with close to the same letters, the C's mm-hmm. and the D's. So they always were in rooms, classes together at school, rode the bus together. Our children and, and those nieces and nephews, those snakes, were very close to each other. And we're talking about, like, for the past 10 years before okay. all this happened, okay. uh, from the time Bonnie was little. And um, so we knew him. Um, he would often, all the kids were at the ball field, they either were doing cheerleading, football, baseball, and the Christies were there. The kids were playing the same sports uh, together. The, um, the uncle, I mean, um, the kid's father, Tony Christie, was a coach and a friend, uh, you know, known him for many, many years and his mm-hmm. wife. And then Snake is with them a lot. And there was another man named to- uh, Tommy Mark, who was mm-hmm. a good friend of Snake's who was, again, a coach, a neighbor, um, kids grew up together. I mean, we know them. You know, it's not right. like um, like so-and-so lives down the road, but I've never, I know who they are, but that's it. I mean, this our families had inter, intertwined for many, many years. Okay. So when you heard, I guess, from the police that, that Anna had told them that Terry and Bonnie were having a relationship, uh, that was very surprising to you, and, and I'm guessing that did you kind of reject that at first? Is that being a possibility, or did the first time you heard that you said, "Oh yeah, I guess that is possible"? 
You know, I can't answer that. I just don't remember. Just don't remember. I I can't tell you. Like I said, in my mind, for 25 years, we've known about it. And it's there. It's a fact. I I can't even tell you what. um, Okay. Fine. I just don't know. Linda, that's totally fine. All we're trying to – the most important part is you didn't know that Bonnie and Terry were having a relationship. That's the most important part. Okay. What kind of reputation – does Snake have on uh, that area? What's his reputation? Back well, then. we were to find out that he does not have a very good mm. one. Um, when all this came out, um, we ended up having a couple of women from our neighborhood came to us. Mm-hmm. You know, they came to us when they heard what was going on, and they told us of relationships that they had had with Snake Christie. And it was um, a similar story in each case where he would have affairs with people. He would um, take from them money. I don't know what all, if it was just money or vehicles, or he got, he gained from them one way or the other and then went on, you know. Moved on. Okay. And, yeah. And they were often left much the worse for the relationship, you know, either divorced or financially ruined or whatever. But, um, you know, it was apparently as far, and I'm saying this is, is this is what people came to us and told us. Uh, Okay. And it was more than one person. So I believe what they were telling us. We're not just trying to make it up about him. Okay. Uh, these women that he had had these relationships with, it sounds to me, I'm going I'm not going to put words in your mouth. I'm just going to use it myself. It sounds like a little bit of a mm-hmm. gigolo, a little bit meeting women, it's using them, easy. getting money from them for whatever else and moving on kind of leading them on. Correct. Okay. I would say that at the least. Okay. Yeah. But were any of these women as young as Bonnie was, she was 18. And of course you eventually found out that, that Terry had maybe, had a relationship with Monty starting when she was 17, possibly. Yeah. Okay. Um, I had found, I had found a letter. Um, I think it was from Bonnie, a note, not a letter, but a note that she had written. Um, sometime, um, let's say in the summer of 1992, after she was pregnant. Um, but, you know, in the middle of the year. And she had um, gone writing in with Snake. But that's all. You know, I mean, that's all I knew. It was just something about having seen him out riding horses and things. So I did not know at the time there was more to it, but that she that she did know him. But, okay. but that was all I knew at the time. Okay. Let me just get this right out of the way as well. Is there any belief that Jeremy could have been Snake's son. I know what you thought, that there was this other kid who was mm-hmm. much closer in age to Bonnie. Mm-hmm. Is there any possibility that Snake could have been the father of Jeremy? Your mind. I don't think so. Um, I feel like at the time that she got pregnant, she was seeing the boy down the road. And that when she found out that she was pregnant, that was basically the end of their relationship. Um, and it was after that 
when she, according to that letter, I'm just going to assume that that letter was actually the beginning of their relationship, you know, in retrospect. Mm -hmm. And if that is true, it was after, you know, she was already pregnant. But this is all guesswork on my part. Right. I don't know. I know. I'm asking because I'm sure maybe some of the listeners Mm -hmm. are thinking the same thing. If they were having a relationship, she has her son in December. Of course, she's still 17. She didn't turn 18 until March of 1993. That now mm-hmm. there's this Terry guy. He was having this secret relationship with her. It, it, a lot of people are maybe going to draw that conclusion, and I think it's important for the listeners mm-hmm. to know, you know, your opinion on that. So you're saying like 99% sure that Jeremy was not Snake's son. 99%. Correct. Okay. Thank you. Correct. Now it seems to me though that the creatures where uh, Bonnie was working for that month, month and a half before she disappeared. They didn't know mm-hmm. about Bonnie having this relationship with Terry. Now, I realized that she was 18 years old, but do you think that there's any reason mm-hmm. that that maybe didn't get back through the grapevine before Bonnie disappeared that she was having that? Is that something that you think the creatures kept the secret or do you think that's something that Bonnie told them? Once again, I realized that Bonnie was 18 at that point. She could do what she wanted mm-hmm. for the most part. How do you look back on right. that now? Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know why, you know, what, what a difference it could have made in everything mm-hmm. had we mm-hmm. known some of this that's come out later. But we didn't. Um, okay. I don't know why. Um, maybe to them it didn't seem weird that um, mm-hmm. what what the um, – what the arrangement turned out to be, you know, and this, we found this out way down. Yes, there, later. But what was going on at the time was that uh, Mike Creech worked um, literally just about a mile down the road, uh, if even that far. And he would walk to work because he didn't have a driver's license. And I believe they didn't even own a car, but I'm not positive about that. But um, he would leave, let's say, just before 8 o'clock in the morning. And then he would come home around four. So Bonnie's situation was that she had to be home when he left and she could leave when he got home. So she was free all those other hours. She could be there or not. It didn't make any difference. They allowed her that freedom. She just had to be there while he was gone. Mm -hmm. So um, what it turned, uh, what we found out later, was that um, where she was living was probably less than a half a mile, probably a quarter of a mile from where Snake Christie lived. And at night, and I'm assuming that she didn't go till late in the night, but at night, on the nights that she went to see him, she would leave late and walk. Um, And where they lived was kind of back in the woods. Um, and she would walk from their house to his house mm. and um, stay for some amount of time and then leave and come back to their house. Now, I know she didn't, she could leave at four and she could be back by eight in the morning, but uh, as this was apparently a very deep, dark secret from everybody, not just us, I'm assuming she went late at night and came home early in the morning before daylight, before, before people, and she was walking. And she was seen, um, later we were told, she was seen walking down the road um, in the middle of the night by uh, one of the police officers that we met later that lived in our area. So they verified that she was walking 
in in that direction um, during the night. So this is what we were told. And And these were things that were going on behind the scenes that you didn't know about. And it seemed most people, it's not this that, I mean, she wasn't living with you anymore. It's not like you were keeping tabs on her, but and not just you, but a lot of people didn't know about this. In retrospect, do you think any of even Bonnie's friends even knew about this? Yes and no. Um, as far as we could understand, he, he being Snake, told her to keep this an absolute secret. Mm-hmm. And there were lots of other things that happened later. But uh, obviously it was stressed over and over again that this was a secret. She told several of her friends, no details, just that she was seeing an older man. And um, she would tell them some, some things, but she did not tell them his name or any specific things. One friend, her best friend, she did say who it was. Um, so we had verification that way, you know, that, that mm-hmm. there was, she did tell someone and his name and some of the things that happened. Um, so we, we feel that we know that for sure. The problem was that when the police first came down and first started investigating and questioning. Now, I'm telling you what we understood from what the police told right. us. That I we get felt it. That they did not believe in this situation. They went to Snake and they questioned him. And mm-hmm. he said, uh, "Sure, I know Bonnie. She lives down the road. She's friends with my um, she's friends with my niece and nephews. And you know, I see her around and all. But that's it. Certainly, no uh, physical relationship. He did not own up to that. And." And has never owned up to this to this relationship to this day, 25 years later. Correct. Um, at the in those first interviews, he that's as much as he would say. But he said it willingly. Uh, they asked him if they could walk through his house, his trailer, and he allowed them to. And then um, after that, they asked him to come down and do like a lie detector test, and he refused. Um, they asked him to come to the police station and make a statement. And he came with his lawyer, and um, he made no statement at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the lawyer wouldn't, I don't know what the terms are, but he did not make any statement at all. And that was the last, those first couple of uh, interviews with the police at his house was, was all that he would say on the situation. Okay. Because, no, he had no relationship with her. All right. Now, this is important because at some point, the Creeches, I'm, I'm, I don't know if it was Anna Creech or Mike Creech, told the police that that evening of April 28th, the, the day, the evening that we believe that Bonnie disappeared, she said that she was going to Snakes. Is that right? Correct. That's what they yes. told the police. Um, not for the first time, right? but uh, that she was going up to the cash and carry. Um, I don't know why she would leave early at that moment, but she went about dark. This is May. Um, I mean, April. So it's, Got dark, gets dark fairly early, not like in the summer when it's late, but she wasn't supposed to be meeting him until about 9 o'clock that night, and that was apparently a pattern. Um, there were, and when I talk about her going to his house, I don't think it happened like every night. We're talking about maybe once a week or something, not all the time, but when mm-hmm. she did go, that's how it went. And she was apparently um, several times when they met, it was at this cash and carry at about 9 o'clock at night. Okay, and she would have, she couldn't walk there. She would have to drive there. Right, right. Okay. So again, that's probably after she got her car, 
Why they were meeting like that, I cannot answer to you. The man was not married. Um, his son was, I believe, living with him. He was there sometimes, but not all the time at his house. Okay. So, did, um, um, did Snake actually have a, I mean, I know he's a gigolo and doing these things. Did he have an actual job? Yeah. He did. He had a partner, and they owned a lawn care business called TLC Lawn Care. Okay. All right. I just wanted to get that on the record. Okay, so he did have a job doing something where he might have had a responsibility to be somewhere at some time. Um, right. Okay. Um, of course, Bonnie is missing these first few days, and of course she's still missing 25 years later. Jeremy is missing, but her van, and we've already kind of touched upon this earlier with the one cop, the van was missing at least for a few days. Uh, where was it found, right. when was it found, and who found it? Um, the second day, the um, April the 29th, when the two detectives came out, um, after they talked to everybody they wanted to talk to, they talked to us, creatures, to Snake, Christy. When they were done for the day, um, on their way out, they went by the cash and carry. And when they did, they saw her van in the parking lot. So at that moment, it changed basically changed the whole attitude of the investigation. It became way more not the um, not the runaway, not as um, I guess I probably forgot to mention it, but what they were saying to us is their thoughts at that point after talking to Snake and all was, here's an older man seeing a young girl. They don't want it known. He's probably got her hidden away somewhere, you know, where he can go see her and things like that. You know, but um, would their advice to him was to tell her to go ahead and come home and let's get, you know, make everybody happy and have her come home. You know, our, our thought mm. is she's 18. Why would she run away from home? She wasn't living at home for one thing. So mm. why would she run away from home? You know, why would she do any of the things they were suggesting to us? It didn't make sense, but they've okay. seen a lot more than we have. Okay. But they did find the van. They called us. We drove down there and uh, verified that that definitely was her van. Um, when they looked in her van, they found that um, her diaper bag and in her diaper bag, in Jeremy's diaper bag, was her wallet uh, with her ID, her driver's license, and, and, um, and $75 of cash hmm. were in the diaper bag. There were no car seat. Car, the car seat for Jeremy was not in the car, nor were her car keys were not there just the diaper bag and mm -hmm. her wallet. Do you remember, I know this is very obscure detail. Was it locked? Was it unlocked? Did they have to like break into it since there weren't, or somebody has extra keys since there were no keys there? Did they have to break into it? Or do you remember? No, I don't. It's a good point, but I really okay. don't remember. I don't think they broke into it uh, okay. because quite like six months later when they, they released it out of the impound, there were no broken windows on it. Um, okay. So I don't think they broke in, but I don't know whether we had a key um, that we brought with us or if um, it was unlocked. I do not know. Okay, maybe they slim-jimmed it. That's very possible, especially we're talking yeah. 25 years ago. Cars were easier to slim-jim, you know, that like thin piece of metal you can stick down right, between the window right. and do it that way. I know. That, that could be yeah. easier done then than probably now. 
Um, anything unusual about the – you said that the, the car seat, Jeremy's car seat was missing, which is a little unusual. But his diaper bag and um, Bonnie's wallet was there. Anything that stuck out to the police that you were told? Did they do any forensics on the van, to your knowledge? It sounds like they held it for a while. Did they do anything in regards to any of that? Yeah. Yes, they definitely, you know, like they fingerprinted the whole van mm-hmm. and everything. And there were a variety of fingerprints. And um, I do not believe that snakes were there. But this brings, this is something that my husband has always believed, that one of the reasons that um, the day, the last day that we saw her, when she had her brother and sister come down um, and help her wash and clean the van, sure, uh, was in, it was kind of in response to the fact that, like, just a few days before that, she had taken uh, Jeremy in the van, taken him over to her best friend Lori's, and when her the mother had put Jeremy back in the van, she smelled men's, a man's cologne mm. and made a comment about it. So um, he's always believed that one of the reasons that they cleaned the car was that he had been in the car and that he had told her to get rid of any traces of him having been in there, um, the clone, anything, the prints, anything like that. So um, whether, you know, we don't know that. That's just yeah. looking back and things we knew would have fallen in line with that, but we don't know it, but we've always suspected it. And that would certainly go in line with the the lengths it seems that Bonnie and Snake were were going to to cover up or hide their relationship. That would certainly go in line with that. Right. Sure. Right. Okay. So um of course the van was cleaned out the day before or on April twenty eighth and it's found maybe a couple of days later. Um and it doesn't seem at least all these years later nothing significant came from the work that the police did on the van, it seems. No. I mean, not as, um, not that we know of, no. Okay. Uh, This cat, when you say cash and carry, maybe we need to explain that. Cash and carry is like one of these payday loan places or something like that, or what is it? (laughs) It's a grocery store. Oh, it is. Cash and carry is a grocery store. I don't think I knew that until right now. Okay. Yeah, like Publix and in our area, it's gone back and forth between cash and carry and Winn-Dixie and things. But at that time, it was a cash and carry. Okay, thank so you. So and with a K. Okay. Cash and carry with a K. Okay. Um, and this, once again, was nowhere near where Bonnie was living, where Snake lived. This is something, a place that uh, you'd have to drive to get to? Correct. It's about, it's in the town of Brandon, which is mm-hmm. about, I think, six to eight miles from where we lived. And um, it was at that time, it was one of the main grocery stores around. Um, and we used to go there a lot to, to do our grocery shopping. I think just recently, about halfway in between, another grocery store had opened up. But um, right up until that time, this was the main one we did all of our grocery shopping at. Okay. Is there something else you wanted to say about um, the van it being at the cash and carry, Linda? Yes. Just a visual image is the fact Please. that it was, a, it was a grocery store, so it was a large parking lot. There were two or three other stores in that, um, let's say, it, a mall kind of thing, a strip mall. And um, so it was a fairly good size. You could see it from the road better than you can now because many other stores have come up around it. 
But at that time, if you were driving down the main road that goes to our area, Lithia Pinecrest Road, you could see the parking lot. And um, and where they found it was towards the road, you know, uh, the further away from the store itself, more towards the road. And, and um, so it was actually easy to spot when they did go to look for it. And you had mentioned, though, earlier, though, that uh, the first cop that came out to your house claims that he went by the cash and carry shortly after that and her van was not there. Is that right? That's, that's what I understand. I mean, I mm-hmm. haven't been able to. Um, someday what I hope is that they'll actually let us, the police will actually let us see their records and things yeah. and we can go back. But at the moment I can't verify it, but my husband believes that um, the day that man came out, um, on the actual, on the, uh, the, the 29th, the first one that came out, he, um, he took, you know, he wrote down everything we said, but he didn't turn it in. He said mm-hmm. about four days, he, after that, he went on vacation. That's what I meant to say. It was after that he went on vacation. Nobody could reach him, uh, to talk to him for about four days. But then when he did come back and the detectives questioned him about what he had found out that first day and all, he then said, after talking to everybody, I drove by the cash and carry, but I did not see her van. And and we believe that's true. Hmm. So the van had to have been put there sometime after that, meaning the van really had not sat there that long before it was discovered. Maybe less than a day. It's a possibility. Okay. It's poss- a possibility. We oh. just don't know. And we've never been able to um throw some more situations I might talk about later with that one placement, but we just said, no, we were never able to question him. Did he really go by? Did he just say he did? We don't know. Okay. Now here's um, probably the most important um, fact about this case. And it has to do Mm -hmm. with that money that you've already mentioned, Mm -hmm. that money that Bonnie got when she turned 18 from her great grandmother, her great grandmother, your grandmother. It was about $50,000. But when did you find out that on April 28th, the day that we presume she disappeared, that Bonnie went to the bank or the SNL, whatever she had to do, uh, wherever the mm-hmm. kind of institution it was, and took out $15,000? Mm-hmm. When did you find that out? Uh, within the next few days of her disappearance, um, mm-hmm. I within that first week, but I don't know exactly. The police were going back and forth between uh, the creatures and us, and we were finding out a little bit more every every conversation. Um, there were a lot of things that they didn't really want us to know, and I'm not. I don't know how to say that the right way. Um, a lot of things that came out were pretty hurtful. Um, some of the things they knew, but they, it had been told to them, you know, like, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. So as things got more serious and, and everybody got more sure that something had happened, they told more. In the yeah. beginning, they held back because they weren't sure what needed to be come out into public and what, what didn't. Um, so I can't tell you the exact timing of it, but we did find out within a few days that that last day, the, the 28th, mm-hmm. that um, um, 
she had been to the bank and removed $15,000 that she had taken it. And um, according to the creatures that she had on her way home, she had met with Snake Christie and handed him the money. And then she had come on and all the other things that we knew about her coming in and washing the van and all that happened after that. Okay, so let me just – for the listeners, I'm going to do this. So you, mm-hmm. on the day, April 28th, you were working, okay? But at yes. the same time, Bonnie that day went to the bank, got this $15,000 out. Like you said earlier in this conversation, she had money in CDs. Maybe mm-hmm. she had to cash some of these CDs out to get Correct. that money, okay? Correct. So she got cash, not a check, but actual like $100 bills or whatever. She takes them. Your understanding, the belief is from the creatures, is that then she went and made, met Snake somewhere, and I, I'm uh, under the idea that maybe even somebody saw her and him at this place, this park. But she then, from there, comes over to your house and gets her van clean. She has some couple of her younger siblings help clean this van. At no time does she tell you, your husband her siblings, anybody else that she went to the bank. Correct. All right. So that was something, once again, she's kind of keeping it on the down low and, um, you know, this $15,000, once again, a considerable amount of money, especially if you're taking out in cash. You're not like getting a cashier's yes. check or something. Um, okay. Well, Please. Can I, can I back up on that Please. just a little bit? Sure. All right. Um, so the whole story is that she actually went to the savings and loans the Friday before that. Hmm. Um, and she cashed in the CD, and she got a cashier's check. And she took that cashier's check over to what was going to become her bank, and she deposited it uh, on that Friday. And then she came back on the next Monday, and... um she was going to take out the $15,000 and they wouldn't let her. Uh, they said it had to be in there or maybe she deposited, maybe she kept the cashier's check and she deposited it on Monday. But anyway, the bank wouldn't let her have the money. They told mm. her she, it had to be in there for three days, three business days. Right. So the weekend before didn't count. So right. she was not able to come back to Wednesday and she did. And when she came back on Wednesday, um, they have her on videotape, you know, so we know exactly that she was there. We know that uh, what time she was there. We know that she had not only Jeremy, but she had the creature's child with her. Um, she took it out in cash. And uh, according to what she told uh, one of her friends, or, um, or it could have been the creatures, I'm not sure, but he, Snake, told her exactly how to get the money. A certain amount of $100 bills and different different denominations, he specified what denominations for her to get. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, when she was at the bank, she asked for that specific types of bills and, um, and, and, um, and went on from there. Okay. So she gave this money to Snake shortly after she got the money out of the bank. And then she shows up at your house, once again, to remind the listeners where her van got cleaned and, right. and everything else. And, of course, we've mentioned that a couple mm-hmm. times now. Okay. Right. And nobody knew no. about this until afterwards, uh, uh, several days mm-hmm. down the road. Well, we didn't know. Yeah, I you mean, didn't know. The creatures knew. The creatures right. knew. Right, the right. The creatures knew, yeah. Now, also that, um, of course, Snake denied anything about the money. 
mm-hmm. um, what we understood, you know, from what she told the creatures and what she told um, her another friend, Lori, was that he had asked her for this money um, because he wanted to start a restaurant. And um, I cannot tell you the details. I mean, as an adult, I'd say nobody's going to start a, a restaurant for $15,000. You need a heck of a lot more than that. But was right. it that he said he had X amount and he just needed this much more? What? We don't know. But he asked her for the money to start a restaurant. Um, they Just days before she disappeared, they had uh, two different meetings. One was a dinner meeting. She went out um, with one of her friends and picked out a dress and um, because she didn't wear dresses. And um, so they went out and they picked out a dress. She wore that dress to go to dinner with, with Snake and another person who we have no idea who that was. Mm-hmm. Um, they had another meeting where they met this person in the middle of the night um, and uh, behind a different grocery store. And why um, there's a lot more to that, I don't know if you want to talk about it now or later. But um, there was a lot of steps to this. You know, he asked for the money. There was verification. There was another person involved. They had discussions about the business. It was going to be, you know, what kind of a restaurant it was going to be, where it was going to be. I don't know. You know, there there mm-hmm. seemed to be more than just snake involved in this. Uh, how did um, and how do you know about the discussions of these meetings? Because Bonnie then went and told somebody else about this afterwards. Correct. All right. And who yes. did she tell? Um, some to the creatures, and some to her friend Lori. And then there's one other um, a girl that was about the same age as Bonnie, Jenny Bryant, mm-hmm. who was also friends you know, in the kind of the same group of friends there that knew the creatures and um Terry Terry McKenzie and Bonnie. And um and then she told that girl quite a bit of things also. But mm. those seem to be the only people. The the outer fringes of her friends she never gave details to. She would say something happened, but she wouldn't give names or specifics. Okay. And so I'm guessing, you know, of course, you don't have to be a missing persons expert to know generally restaurants are not started with cash. Usually it's good enough just to, if you're going to invest in something, to just good enough to have a check. So there's there's yeah. that if this was some sort of legitimate deal. Um, why don't you, you had said that about the meeting behind this this building. How do you even know about that? Maybe you can give the listeners a little more details about uh, how we know, for example, this, what sounds to me like a shading meeting at the middle of the night. How do you even know about that? How do you know about she that? She told her friend, she told her friend um, specifics. And she told her that um, Anna Creech knew um, a little bit. She, Bonnie came to Anna one night, one at evening and said, the phone's going to ring in the middle of the night. She said, don't worry about it. It's going to be for me. I'll answer it. So Anna noted that it was like 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning when the phone rang. And then right after that, Bonnie left. And um, then Bonnie, then like the next day, told her friend Lori that um, she left and she met Snake at the closer grocery store, which was also a cash and carry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only about uh, six miles, five or six miles from where we live. And um, it's at an intersection with the gas stations and businesses and all. And that she met Snake there. Um, then they got into one vehicle, which one I don't know. And they drove around behind 
this building and where it's dark and there was nothing but woods behind it. So, you know, nobody to see. And they met someone, had some sort of meeting. Then um, when it was done, they came back around to the front of the parking lot where um, they then were surprised by the opening manager. He usually got there at 5 o'clock, and he came in at 10 minutes to 5 that day. And um, so they jumped in their cars and ran. But Bonnie said that Snake was very upset. He was very worried about being recognized, one, um, Mm -hmm. one weird point. Um, Two, that it seemed as though they knew what time he would be coming uh, coming in to open, as if possibly they'd been there before. Um, And three, who meets somebody behind the grocery store? I mean... It, none of it makes any sense. No, um, it doesn't. I agree. Especially not in the line of what she seemed to feel they were doing. Um, as far as I know, she did not say anything to her friend as to what happened behind the grocery store. Okay. And um, only her main stress was the fact of how upset Snake was. Now, we actually went back and questioned that manager. And he said that he specifically remembered that when he came in, he saw the cars in the parking lot, and he was worried because he thought he might be getting robbed. Yeah, um, because of there shouldn't have been anybody there. Yeah, and he so he noted, but he could not remember what the vehicles looked like. Um, so we ended up. Um, he was willing, and we asked him to undergo hypnosis. And when he did, he described two vehicles that, um, you know, matched Bonnie's car and Snake Christie's, I forget what he had, a car truck, I think he had, but he recognized, he he gave enough description that it definitely could have been their vehicle. Okay. Yeah, this all sounds very, very shady. Uh, the cash, the, the meetings, where they're taking place, the time they're taking place. And on top of that, uh, if we're to believe Anna Creech, is to believe that there was some other guy besides uh, Snake there. And you don't, still to this day, don't know who that person is? No. I All right. Not. You had mentioned a friend of his, Tommy Mark. Is there any possibility it could have been he? I absolutely don't know. You know, I just okay. don't know. Okay. And I'd almost say no, because Bonnie knew him. And mm-hmm. um, the way she talked to my impression, because she didn't talk to me, so I don't know, but the impression I got of what she said to her friends yeah. was not someone she knew, you know, not someone she knew at all. Okay. That uh, 15000 uh, excuse me, please, please. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I said, but once again, that's my impression. I don't know. I think that uh, it makes a lot of sense. Now, just to be clear, the $15,000 never been seen again, has it? No. None of it. No. And in fact, uh, being that that Bonnie's van got cleaned out just a couple hours after she was at the bank, no cash was mm-hmm. found in the car. And even when the van was found, it was found $75, wasn't it? That was it. Correct. My understanding is she actually took $15,000 and $75 out that day, but that was basically the amount mm-hmm. that the, of the CD that she cashed out, and and then there was $75 in her purse. Um, also, the fact um, that 
when the children were helping her clean out the van, she allowed them to go into her purse or the diaper bag and get some gum out. So we feel like if she had this money in her purse at that time, they would have seen it, you know, that she wouldn't have allowed them. She would have gotten out, given it to them. Um, Would she have left it in the house while she was cleaning the van? You know, I would say no, that she would keep this money close to her or something. But again, we're just, we're looking back, making guesses. Right. Uh, The the way you remember it with this van, and I realized she didn't have the van very long, um, had her siblings ever helped her clean up the van before? How often did it get cleaned? Maybe that might have been the first that or was, second time it might even been cleaned. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. As far as okay. I know, it was the only time that she did that, you know, that she called them down. Uh, she called our house. They walked down there. Like I said, it's it was just, you know, a very short distance. And uh, they walked over there, and then uh, she drove them back home afterwards. But I don't remember that happening. I don't. I just don't remember anything specific about it before that. Okay. Now, probably most importantly, to your knowledge, did uh, Snake ever start a restaurant with anybody? Was there ever any restaurant that ever st- got started in the Plant City? Brandon, East Tampa area that you know of that Snake had anything to do with that at all? No, no, it was not. Okay. Let's talk about him a little bit more. Just maybe we need to. So we have this money that is now missing, and she takes it out on the day that she disappears. So we believe that that's probably not a coincidence. But let's talk about Terry a little bit more. You said the police tried to talk to him, and he lawyered up pretty much? Correct. All right. He, yeah. in fact, to this day, he kind of denies or doesn't want to talk about any relationship that he ever had with Bonnie at all. Correct. Okay. Correct. To your knowledge, uh, has he ever been able to give his whereabouts to anybody regarding maybe the day or maybe the evening into the night, the morning of April 29th? Uh, anything like that? Has he um, ever said? Well, the day, the 28th, the same day that she went to the bank, um, the same day that um, she gave him the money in the afternoon, that morning, Snake and his lawn care partner both um, came by our house, the Davis residence, right. and spoke to Larry, who um, her dad, who was home at that time, about just general things. I, I don't know that they spoke of anything in, in any kind of importance. Just mm-hmm. like they stopped by and looked at the horses, talked about horses or, you know, things like that. Um, her father is a, a farrier, a blacksmith. Mm-hmm. And um, nothing, I think that possibly he had maybe come by one other time, but not, it wasn't something that was regular or anything like that. And um, it didn't seem noteworthy until we knew all the rest of the story. And then looking back, um, mm-hmm. well, oh no, that was the same day he came by the house. You know, was he trying to uh, prevent Larry from leaving and possibly running into Bonnie while she was doing all these other things? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just is a weird coincidence. You know, we have to believe he came by for a reason, you know, maybe to kind of check and see if Larry knew what was going on, feel him out. Absolutely no idea why. Just a weird, weird thing that happened. 
Yes. So here was this guy, Snake Christie, came over with a partner of his in this business, uh, this lawn care business, just out of the blue, stops at your house. You were not home because you were at work. Larry Bonnie's uh, father's home by himself. And I've talked to Larry about this conversation, and Larry told me it, he kind of got the feeling that the conversation was really about nothing. And they walked around. Right. And then it was just, okay, well, it's been an hour. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, and yeah. um, and it just happened to be, is it a coincidence that the time that Snake was at your house, even though you personally were not there, is it about the same time that Bonnie was going to the bank to get that money? Same time. Yeah, seems to be. I don't know because I mm. don't know the actual time that he was at our house. <laughs> you know, when you look back sometimes, it, because we didn't note that for a while down the road, I don't know what time he was there. You know, Larry might, his memory is way, her father's memory is way yeah. better than mine. I just don't know the times, but that is my understanding is that basically it was at the time she would have been at the bank. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's very strange too. And like uh, you said, you can't, you, your family kind of knew Snake just from being around, you know, like you said, right. he, a baseball coach or little league coach, something like that. But his brother, in all, his, oh, his brother was, but he yeah, didn't maybe, he, you know, you weren't maybe that close that he would just pop into your house once in a right, while. Right, exactly. Correct. And he just happens to pop in on the day that Bonnie disappears and he just also happens to be behind the scenes having a relationship with your daughter. Right. And of course that um, didn't, of course that never came up that day when he was talking no. to Larry, of course. Okay. No. You were going to say something. No, no, I was just agreeing with you. you okay. know, that uh, we just, that at that time there was so little that we knew that we found yeah. out later. Right. You've just found out about all this. And once again, the listeners know that, uh, they now know that um, there was quite a bit going on behind the scenes, not just the day that Bonnie disappeared, but kind of in the month, if not more, right. you know, leading up to her disappearance. Once again, we realized that at the time that she and Snake met, she's 17. He's in his late 30s, if not 40 years old. Um, illegal, most places. You know, uh, you know, what's that? age guy doing with that young a girl and we know that at least florida has some laws against that but they were covering it up but then she turns 18 in march she's going to do what she's going to do um right. but still it seems that for many people this was a, a secret um maybe the creatures seem to know about it but they didn't tell you but once again she's 18 what are you going to do um yeah. however there is something else uh, this did come up with uh, Larry, and I, once again, I'm, I, I don't want to hit this too hard, but is there the possibility that Snake was, I'm just going to say it, forcing Bonnie maybe to go out with other men for monetary reasons? Is is that something that has popped up as a possibility since she disappeared that you found out about this? Yes and no. Um, we found through mostly through reading her journals mm -hmm. and um, some diaries that she had that he was 
I don't know, forcing is the right word. Um, he was encouraging her mm-hmm. to do a lot of things that we couldn't imagine that, um, that things had gone so far down the road that, uh, sexually beyond anything we would have ever thought. Um, and since then I've done reading on what's called a Romeo pimp mm-hmm. and, uh, girls that are in also in human or the, the sex trafficking. Yes. And it is a very, common thing that they start out being the boyfriend absolutely and then they start saying requesting them to do this then to do this then to do this and they push them further down the road so they get to a point where they don't feel like they can get out they've done so many things that nobody wants them anymore except this guy and that's what it sounds like um he was he was encouraging her to say the least to do very many um unacceptable things and things that you wouldn't just look at at an average girl and say, oh, well, you know, this would be a common thing to do. But when you read um, or hear the stories of the of the girls who have gotten pulled into the sex trafficking, it's a common story. It is. It's not near as weird as it seems to us. Yeah. And, um, and we think that has a lot to do with what happened to her. Um, right. We think that she was, uh, he was sending her to parties. That, um, but whether for sure there was money involved or not to that extent yet, I don't know. But he was definitely, it sounds like he was leading her in that direction. Um, you mentioned earlier that she was younger than all the other, the women that we knew about. Yes. Okay. I want to make the point of she's younger than all the other women that we knew about. Mm. Good point. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there were, I'm, I'm going to guess that there were other people, but we just don't know them. And that's part of what I'm hoping to get from a broadcast like this, that maybe there's other people who were involved at that time or involved with him or knew something, but they were young and they didn't want these things coming out. But maybe now as an older person with children of their own, there are things that they will tell us that they might not have told us. Many of the people that were interviewed by the police were minors, and um, we know specifically that some of them were questioned in front of their parents, and like I said, the stuff that we're talking about is not what you want to talk about in front of your parents, but maybe if they were re-questioned now, there might be things that they would tell. Um, uh, Especially in private, especially where it would just be with the police and this wouldn't be going back to somebody's parents or getting out to the public. Absolutely. Sure. Sure. Bonnie was young. She was, I'm not saying that that means this was okay, you know, but she was definitely being influenced by this person. Um, I don't know. You know, it just, as I said, there's just so much that, um, that we didn't know at the time that we just now just so wish we'd had a clue, you know, that there, there could have, could have been a lot different outcome. Um, right. Let's move on. The thing is, though, and, and you know, the tough part about this is that you've gotten a lot of information from the creatures, uh, specifically Anna Creech. But um, at least the way I understand it, they're not exactly saints either. Um, we have to remember that even before this fifteen thousand dollar situation came up that uh, somebody related to them somehow 
uh, wanted to kind of, um, you know, we have to go back to that truck with a title. Tried to scam Bonnie, it seems, out of 2500 to $3,000. And this was before Bonnie, of course, disappeared. This was before she took the $15,000 out of the bank, etc. Um, could it be that the creatures could be possible suspects in Bonnie's disappearance as well? Once again, given what went behind what went on before Bonnie disappeared with this title to this truck. And also Mike Creech has had some problems with the law since then. What do you think about that? Um, let's see if I can say it in an organized fashion. Um, a lot, as you said, a lot of what we know of what happened that late, that last day was per the creatures, not yes. all of it, yes. but um, the, the money that, his sister was trying to borrow was at the same time, um, you know, within weeks of each other or literally at the same time as Bonnie was giving this other money to someone else, mm. which I mean, that always leaves the door open to was someone angry because she would give money, big money to him, but not little money to them. Yeah. That sort of thing. I want to say that you ask if they could be a suspect. As far as I'm concerned, everybody she knew could right. be a suspect. You know, nothing makes enough sense to to say it has to be this person or it has to be that person. It could be anybody until we know all the details. Um, as much as I believe all these things with Snake Christie that led up to that time, I don't know what happened the last day. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm leaving that open till we find out more information. Could the Christie? I mean, uh, the creatures had something to do with it. They could have. I don't know. Uh, he was apparently in quite a bit of trouble later, um, in and out, both of jail, as, as I understand, and um, charges. I don't know how many times he was charged and jailed or just, you know, things fell through or whatever. But there was a time a few years ago when the police, the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, actually went back and re-questioned um, Mike Creech. And he was in jail at the time. And at that time, he made the statement that um, although he was not involved, that he knew where their bodies were and he gave them a location. And they went and searched that location. And although they found bones, they said that they were animal remains, not human. Um, So... Does that leave that open to there's more there than we know? Absolutely. Okay. I guess what I'm trying to show here is that um, you've gotten a lot of information from the creatures who they themselves right. might have reason to lie. Maybe. Absolutely. Maybe. Okay. I just want the yeah. listeners to understand that you um, mm-hmm. have got this information, uh, at least some of it, and of course the police have talked to them and everything, but some of this information has come – from a couple people who might have reasons to lie. So we have to maybe look at it with a little sideways glance, kind of maybe be a little doubtful of it. Maybe there's some truth in it, but there could be some lies in it too. They are not innocent bystanders in all of this. Okay. Um, The father has the suspected, and we're not going to say his name. Uh, We wouldn't want to do that, Mm -hmm. but who you believe to be the father of Bonnie's son, of Jeremy. Uh, has he ever come to you? Um, to, 
offer any condolences? Has he ever owned up to anything um, regarding being the, the father of Jeremy? Anything like that since Bonnie's disappearance 25 years ago? Anything? He, he came to our house. Um, he actually and his brother were brought to our house by their mother, who was a friend of mine and is a friend of mine. And um, after Bonnie disappeared, and um, she basically brought them, had talked to them about the fact that anything they knew, they needed to tell us. You know, whether it made them look good, bad, or indifferent, it didn't matter. You know, that if they had any kind of information, we needed to hear it. And, you know, ultimately what they said was, you know, that, yes, he had had a relationship with her. And that was all that they said. Uh, he did, They absolutely did not feel that he was the father but like I said, after that, you know, he bothered another child. So who knows? I don't know. Um, but what I have found recently is that um, the older brother, Ricky, and his younger brother were later um, boyfriends or, you know, involved with some of these other people, uh, the Cherry McKenzie uh, another friend that Bonnie had, a, a girl named Jenny, um, that there might be way more information there with them than I had known before. And that all they talked about that time was basically, yes, that she had come down there and had a you know relationship with them. But that was it. You know, it ended there. But I think uh, I've been trying to reach them. I've been trying to reach a lot of people, but I, I have trouble. Um, I guess it's been long enough. Every the num- phone numbers I find are often yeah. no good anymore. And um, but right. I I'm going back and trying to question everybody that I can. You know, hoping that one person maybe will give me some information to call another person. You know, to find something down the road. Right. Right. Okay. So um, once again, in your mind, everybody's still suspect and. Um, as we all know, once again, you don't have to be a missing persons expert to know that um, sometimes um, couples who have children together, if there are issues, even if somebody's not owning up to be a father, it could be a possibility. It could no, be a possibility. Well, we can't cross anything out. Yeah, we cannot cross anything out. Right, of course. Um, what has Terry Snake Christie done with his life since 1993? Uh, is he any Run-ins with the law, to your knowledge. Um, and he said, "Did he? Does he con- has he continued to scam women? Um, any have you kept tabs on him? Uh, what can you tell the listeners about that?" I don't know. Um, oh no. We just, in general, kept tabs as to where he went. He lived out of state. He lived there at the same house where he was when uh, uh, he was having a relationship with Bonnie, and that. Uh, that property for several more years um, and then he moved out of state and uh, he has in the last several years moved back I believe in the north Florida and is living up there with one of his nephews and you know some family and as far as I know he's living an upstanding uh, life up there but then I don't know yeah you know? Okay, so we don't know if he uh, I don't know Please. Yeah, I don't know anything about it as far as uh, being run into the place. I don't know. Okay. All right. Um, this We need to ask you about this. You said that um, Bonnie had these journals slash diaries that you read mm-hmm. after, she dis- after she disappeared. 
anything in there? Obviously, I'm guessing not. But anything in there that could that could point anybody in a direction in those is, for example, is you did say that it seems like there may be some with some graphic detail in there about about Terry and what he was asking Bonnie to do. Um, did she ever say that she was afraid of him or anything like that? That you know he was violent with her. Any anything like that? No, not the violence. Um, she did. So um, I'm trying to think of how to say it. Uh, she talked about the fact that she was being asked to do things that she didn't necessarily want to do. She didn't know how to get out of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that she seemed to be. You know, questioning, or or she seemed to know it wasn't the right place to be, but mm-hmm. she didn't know how to get out of it. Yeah. In the diary, if you can say, I realize these are private things, but uh, regarding the disappearance, mm-hmm. is there anything that she ever wrote about in there about uh, Terry wanting to start a snake, starting to wanting to start a restaurant, or that he had asked no. for money from her, anything like that? No. Now that was from things that she told other people. That right, right. She, she did not write about that any of that in her diary. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I will. I would like to add, if we're still talking about him, that right Please. at the end, um, and I think it was her friend Lori. I'm not sure who she told this to, but she told one of her friends that at that moment she was very happy that she, um, I guess you could say that she had done all the things that he wanted her to do and that he had promised her that they were going to get married now that she was 18 and that, uh, you know, that she and Jeremy were going to go live with him. Mm-hmm. And um, she gave, you know, let's say enough details that it was a conversation they had in depth. And um, I don't think there was ever any any intention of doing that. and. Um, you know, I just don't know. I don't know where he was going with things, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. You've mentioned how you've been trying to get in touch uh, with some mm-hmm. uh, friends and uh, women who are very young at the time. Um, I've, I've sent mm-hmm. you an email with in trying to help you out at least a, a little bit in, in the in mm-hmm. in that area. Have any of her friends offered up an opinion, ones that you did get to talk to maybe some years, maybe at the time, years after uh, Bonnie disappeared? Did they ever offer up an opinion on what they thought happened to Bonnie? Uh, Not really. I mean, uh, everybody just doesn't understand. I mean, um, I hate to say it. It was the general general opinion as far as uh, the ones who knew him that, uh, that knew Bonnie and knew of her relationship with him that he had to be involved with it in one way or another uh, mm-hmm. be it him personally or through some other situation where he was acting for someone else but there's no proof um, there's never been you know basically other than the information we found out about their relationship there's nothing new has been found out since the very beginning and um, so many of the people that knew things, everybody knew a little bit. This person knew this little bit. This person knew this little bit. This person knew something else. And it's been a matter of, of trying to pull those things together. Um, we tended to feel like there were a lot of things that the uh, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department overlooked or didn't do. But the truth is, is looking back and the more we find out things, 
there were just a lot of things they didn't tell us about. Um, there were a lot of things that they did that we had no idea they were doing. Or, um, you know, uh, they even went back with the whole whole case, um, you know, went back over everything they had, looked at new new avenues and things. But they won't tell us what they looked at or how they look at it. So we don't know. So um, we're kind of like left on our own, just guessing. Yeah. You know, we don't know so many of the hard, true facts. We just don't know them. Okay. All right. What has this been like since 1993? Let's start here with Bonnie's siblings. Uh, she was the oldest one. She had four younger siblings. Um, how have they handled this over the last 25 years? Well, I can tell you that it wasn't good. I can tell you that in one case, um, um, one of the children ran away repeatedly, mm. um, you know, got into lots of trouble, you know, didn't want to be home, didn't want to be around us or anybody to do um, with any, you know, the family. And it took a, several, quite a few years, you know, that his life has totally changed around. And, and um, another one that can't remember anything that happened up until basically they were like 18 themselves. And um, the past is just a total blank and um, just things, you know, it, yeah. it's hard to understand, especially with the not knowing. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know if they're dead. If they're dead, how did it happen? You know, every every clump of trees that you pass by, you know, could a body be buried there? Um, everybody is a suspect. You have friends that you knew back in that, you know, for them and me too, you know, friends. Uh, so many of these people all lived within about a half a mile of us. Um, family, friends, known people, people you associated with for all of our lives. And, and now everybody's a suspect. It, it doesn't do good things to your life. It no. doesn't do good things to your emotions. No. Uh, you I, say, you say about not knowing, and uh, I can't tell you how many guests have said that same, made that same point on this program publicly. The not knowing part no. is the hardest. The you can't you you can't ignore any scenario, which means you envision everything. You know, yeah. you walk it through. Well, what if this happened? And, and you think of everything extremely graphically, and um, you know every story you hear, you think of it you know, could this be what happened, you know, from the stray biker gang running through town to, you know, more specific situations. But um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I know that for me personally, to deal with it, you live two lives. You have your day-to-day -day life on one surface, and then underneath, you have all these other thoughts and things um, going on. And you don't talk about them because to talk about them is to bring it to the surface. But they're there, you know, no matter what. Thoughts are constantly in your head. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, a lot of guests have same, said the same things. And it all over the United States, you know, in case I've covered in Canada, uh, a lot of parents like yourself have said the same thing. Yeah, it's just, and uh, as many people know, my mother died recently. And as bad as that is, um, 
you know, frankly, parents dying before children is just kind of the way of the world. You know, it's almost the way it's supposed to be. So for a parent to have a child that goes missing, I can't even imagine. I know that I've been in pain in the last month. I can't even imagine how you've gotten through this the last 25 years. I, I can't imagine it. And I don't have children. So. I almost, I don't know if I could say that it's easier to imagine that that they were murdered compared to um, the other, the possibility that they are um, kidnapped, enslaved, or something, you know, for all these years. But um, you just, like I said, every possible scenario, you have to think about it. Right. And then I know, I don't know if this has happened, we haven't really talked about this, Linda, but I know in many of the other cases that I've covered, you hear the rumors about what happened, you know, that this happened, you know, and I know a lot of uh, family members have heard some horrific rumors. I don't, I, I don't believe them, but people, it seems out there, love to create scenarios and rumors and theories about what happened and it gets back to the family and that even makes anything work I, worse. I don't know if that's happened in Bonnie's case or not, but um, no, then there's scam artists, scam artists, et cetera, yeah. you know, only on top of that. Not the rumors. I don't think I, everybody I've talked to, it's been more in the line of, I just can't imagine, you know, I yeah. just can't imagine what happened. Um, partly because the deeper dark side, most, people didn't know. Um, very few. And um, um, my 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 ex-husband, uh, Bonnie's father, um, I think it was almost two years ago now, received a phone call in the middle of the night. And um, a young man said, oh, this is your grandson, Jeremy. Uh, I'm in Las Vegas and you need to send me some money. And, um, you know, he didn't believe him that that was true. I mean, we've heard of people doing that, but how horrible, you know, yeah. to, in the middle of the night, have somebody say that and the police investigated it. More recently, we had a, a, a young man who came to us and I'm not saying this is a scam. I think this boy totally believed that he was Jeremy, but, uh, we did do a DNA test on him and, um, it was negative and, uh, the reasons that he believed he was Jeremy didn't to us didn't have any reality in life. I mean, I think he just was a type bit delusional. Yeah. But um, you know, again, the police inspected the situation and advised uh, us they did not think he was Jeremy either. But it's not, you know, it's it's not. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. Exactly no. Uh, scam artists very common. Yeah, scam artists yeah. are very common. Very common. Linda, do you have a Facebook page or anything set up uh, for Bonnie and her disappearance? Uh, some place where I can direct the listeners to go to. Absolutely. Um, this was actually set up by her best friend Lori, but uh, there's a Facebook page. Uh, the name of it is In Memory of Bonnie and Jeremy. Okay. And that is a Facebook page. People can go there, like it, share it, see, um, you know, see pictures of uh, Bonnie, and I'm guessing there's pictures of Jeremy there as well. Yes, okay. not very many because okay. we just didn't have very many before right. we left. 
But um, um, there's lots of pictures of Bonnie in there from the time she was an infant through her growth. And um, that's thanks to her sister, Jennifer, who, who went and put all those on. Um, I'm not very good with Facebook. I don't mm. deal very well with it. It doesn't like me. But <laughs> okay. my daughter, when my another daughter and Bonnie's friend to watch over it and uh, and um, you know watch what's put on there and put comments on and everything. So that is definitely an avenue. Yeah. Okay. And I'm sure the listeners are going to go check that out. And I will be by the time they're hearing this, uh, our voices. Uh, I will have uh, directed them in that direction uh, already, and I'll be mentioning it in, um, you know, the tweeting that I do on Twitter, and then of course I do a live show the uh, couple days before the episode comes out as well. So I will be directing them in that uh, that direction. Uh, any last words before we complete this interview, Linda? Um, just that if if there is somebody who hears this from back in that time, that um, no matter whether they said something important or not, just anything they remembered, any story about Bonnie, good, bad, you know, it doesn't matter. Just anything they remember. Uh, if they would either go and leave their name and contact information either there on the Facebook page, they could call me. Um, I also have the name of the sergeant with the uh, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department and his phone number, his direct phone number. Um, anything, any way somebody could reach out would be so very much appreciated. Linda, why don't you give out the phone number to uh, the sergeant that you mentioned who uh, is handling right, uh, the case? Why don't you do that, please? All right. His name is Sergeant Keene, K-E-E-N-E. He is um, the sergeant over the Homicide Division. His telephone number is, his direct line is area code 813-247-0595. And he is definitely familiar with the case and with Bonnie and the situations involved in her case. That's good information to know. That's good that you have uh, uh, particularly the sergeant's phone number, the direct line. Uh, that's, that's good. Sometimes people don't have that kind of information. That's good. Uh, I'm hoping, being that this is a local uh, Tampa case, I'm hoping once I get back to Florida, Linda, that maybe you and I, and maybe we can get Larry involved, maybe we can meet up sometime, you know, just for lunch. You know, I, I think that I would enjoy that. Um, I don't get to meet many of my guests in person. I've met a few of them, but not many. Maybe we can make that happen yeah. once I get back to Florida. That would be great. We would look forward to that. All right, great. Thank you. And I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Oh, thank you so much. Um, again, I appreciate not only for myself, but for all the other cases that you put the information out there. Um, and I just hope that for anyone, you know, our case, the others, that somehow somebody, you know, hears this and, and gives some additional information. Linda, uh, I think uh, at the age of 48 years old, I think that this is what I am meant to do with my life. Uh, I enjoy working with all of you. I enjoy getting to know all of you. I hope I can help uh, in some way, if, even if it's just a small way, uh, that we can get these cases solved eventually. And I enjoy doing it, and I, I appreciate the very kind words. Thank you. And that was my interview with Linda Hirschberger, mother of Bonnie Degas. I appreciate her joining me and all of you on this episode. 
I also need to thank Bonnie's father, who greatly contributed to my knowledge concerning Bonnie's disappearance. As I was covering Bonnie's case, it reminded me a lot of Ashley Kohler's disappearance, which Unfound covered over a year ago. Ashley was also a young woman who was hiding things, in her case from her mother, that were not found out until after she disappeared. My impression in cases like these is that parents ask, how didn't we know this, as if they feel like they've been bad parents. Whereas I try to assure them that they were good parents. Instead, I make sure they understand the reason they didn't know what their sons and daughters were doing is because their sons and daughters didn't want them to know. This is certainly true in Bonnie's case. Yes, she was 18 at the point she disappeared, and she could do whatever she wanted. But I think it's also obvious that there were things she didn't tell her parents, like having a relationship with a guy over 20 years older, because Bonnie didn't want to be given a hard time about it. Not to mention that Bonnie's parents would have quickly figured out that Snake started this thing with Bonnie when she was underage. So, there's that. To add to this is Bonnie's conversation with her father when those people tried to get money from her with the title of a truck that didn't exist. Yes, Bonnie did the right thing in talking to her father about it, but my perception is she took the wrong lesson from it. The lesson she should have learned was to always come to her parents if someone wanted money from her. And yes, it seems Bonnie didn't give money to the creature's relatives, so that was good. But I don't think that stopped Bonnie from wanting to give money to people who asked for it. So what Bonnie took from the conversation from her father was to not go to him again if someone asked for money, because her father would always say it was a bad idea, for very good reason. Then you add in that the man in Bonnie's life asked for money not long after that, well, she surely wasn't going to say no to him, no matter how strange the meetings and circumstances were. Bonnie certainly couldn't go to her father about Snake asking for money because that conversation would lead to her father finding out that Bonnie and Snake were an item, something Bonnie had labored to hide. But as I pointed out in the interview, and I know Linda knows this, is the big problem we have is that much of the information Bonnie's family knows about the evening of April 28, 1993, comes from people who are not 100% trustworthy. The creatures were at least partially involved in trying to get money from Bonnie under false pretenses, the non-existent truck scam. Are we to believe these people who couldn't get money from Bonnie that way just simply stopped? That is a little hard to believe. Not to mention, Bonnie was the creatures' nanny. But the creatures didn't own a car. The husband walked to work every day. Well, what kind of family can afford a nanny, but can't own a car out in the back roads of Florida? That sounds overtly odd to me. In addition, the creatures are paying Bonnie to be at their house. She is an employee. But then Bonnie is allowed to leave not only the creatures' child, but her own son Jeremy for many hours at a time at night to go see Snake down the road. In fact, it sounds like the creatures spent more time looking up for Bonnie's son than Bonnie did taking care of the creatures' child. Four-and-a-half-month-olds need attention at night, don't they? Well, how could Bonnie do that if she was down the street with Snake? Did she take Jeremy with her? If so, what kind of nanny situation is that? And I haven't even gotten to the creatures covering for Bonnie while she carried on this relationship. So, given all of that, I want to ask you a couple questions. Do you think it is a coincidence 
that Bonnie got that job as a nanny and she got her $50,000 right about the same time in March of 1993. If you don't believe it's a coincidence, then how do you believe the creatures found out that she was receiving that money? And if you will remember, and this is one last point, Ashley Kohler also lived where she worked. And she ended up living and working for a madam. So knowing that, is it a coincidence that Bonnie also ended up getting involved in some sort of prostitution? You can hear more of my thoughts on Bonnie's case on Patreon for as little as $2 a month. With that, I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.